Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. I feel like we could sit here in silence because there's no way to say, hey, everybody. Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to wait forever until Leah chimes in from wherever she is. So hi, everybody. Hello. So Leah is not with us today. It's just Amy and Megan. And she's traveling. She was up at the Great Barrier Reef. And now I think she's traveling back to where her in-laws are before they get ready to travel back to California in the next couple of days. So it is just Amy and Megan today, and we are happy to be here and to talk to you all about a drama that we both watched and loved, which is Tomorrow. Yeah, but first of all, you got a new lovely. (laughs) And if you don't know the lovely reference, you have to watch I Am Not a Robot, which we've talked about plenty. But yeah, Amy got a new lovely, which is a very exciting time for the afternoon of podcast. I, and I feel like I have to explain myself to everybody who I tell about my new lovely. So <laughs> first of all, I can see in my in my screen, in my messy room right now, I can see the the bottom of my um, my Dyson stick vac sticking out there next to, I see next it, to my actually. bookshelf. So for those of you who don't know, I do have a bit of a problem purchasing vacuums. Not that I don't know how to purchase a vacuum, but that I purchased too many of them. And in a recent podcast, I don't know which episode it was where the ball vac came up and it got very dicey talking about my Dyson ball vac, which was my first Dyson. Actually, just listen to the episode. Um, I forget which one it was. It was a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it was very So I, I have a Dyson ball vacuum, which is like the big, heavy, you know, like 17 pound, you know, big, powerful vacuum. Um, and I've had it for probably close to 20 years and it was a refurbished one that we bought and it worked so like you've had it longer than you than you've like had your yes, children it's older than my children it's older than my children and this vacuum has been good to me very good to me but in in recent months it's had some issues um the first of which was a tear in the hose which i covered up with duct tape and that has been working just fine um, but the motor has started to go. And this is, I mean, I'm not going to spend money on repairing, you know, a 20-year-old vacuum when I could just buy another one. So just to give you guys an idea, I have the Dyson Ball Vac. And I also have three cats. And the Dyson Ball Vac is very heavy to lug up and down three flights of sta- two flights of stairs because I have, you know, a two-story house and a basement. And so I bought, at one point, I bought a Shark Stick Vac, like a plug-in stick vac. And it's great, but it gets tangled with hair a lot in the rollers. And so then I was reading about, you know, Dyson stick backs and um, I loved my Dyson. And so I ended up buying a refurbished Dyson stick back, the pet one, the V11, if you need to know. And <laughs> while it too is a good vacuum being a Dyson, it is not enough to contend with the three cats that I have and the 16-year-old daughter with long, thick, shedding hair. And so I needed something a bit more industrial. And so I began to research and I have gone totally rogue and I'm not buying another Dyson. Today um, being delivered to me is a Kenmore Elite 
um, upright bag vacuum. Oh, so it's coming it's today? It's coming today. And I know you oh, all wow. are just... This is a big day. I know you all are riveted to hear about my bag vac. <laughs> but here's the thing, people. I have terrible allergies. And when you have a canister vac, like my Dyson's, when you empty the canister, you also get a big puff in the face of all the dust. Yeah. And it's terrible. I, ha- I have it. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, and when you have three cats that you're allergic to, plus, you know, everything else in the world... It's a lot. So I was reading a lot about like bag vacs and you also, you don't have to change. You you can like have a bag filling for like a month or two. Whereas when you have a canister vacuum, I'm dumping that thing like in the middle of a vacuum all the time and it gets clogged too because of all the pet hair. So long story short is I have my Kenmore Elite bag vac coming today. It's rated number one on Consumer Reports. (laughs) Um, And I'm legitimately giddy with excitement to get it put it together and vacuum my house today. Right. So you're going to, so now we have to, we have to check the date because you're going to have to now throw it a birthday party. Right. Like Kim my and Q from right. I'm Not a Robot. Oh, I Get do have, hat. I do have a robot vac too. So this will be the fourth <laughs> vacuum in the house, but I'm retiring the Dyson. Like I'm not even, like I said, I'm not going to try and fix it. Retiring, retiring it, it. Setting it out to pasture like it's, a retired race It's sitting by itself in the garage right now. And I will most likely put it on the curb next garbage day and see if anybody wants to garbage pick a, a Dyson. So anybody out there oh. in the local, Chicago Burbs if you would like to try and tinker with a broken Dyson ball vac it's all yours I can't believe how many minutes I just talked about vacuums but I could I could go on for your sake right listeners I will not um but I'm very excited well I I well I do have to say I so I've talked before about like how terrible of a cleaner I am how like cleaners have fired me So we have hired cleaners now. They have come three times. It's amazing. They have not fired me. They actually gave me like a pat on the back last time. Like I felt like they were my mom. She was my mom because she was like, you've really kept up. You're doing a good job between our visits. And I was like, thank you. So but my one cat, Tuck, is like so freaking scared of the cleaner and her vacuum. She is a shark, by the way. Respectable. And she... She was vacuuming the upstairs and Tuck got so worked up. She hid behind the couch down like in our living room. And then I don't know, tried to climb up the back and got stuck. Actually got stuck. She had wedged herself between the back of the couch and the wall. I had to pull it out. The the, Hazel, my daughter and I had to pull the whole couch out. I was like, are you serious? Cat. So we bought her that um, that feel away stuff that you bought your cat that didn't end up working. But anyway, but I, I don't think it's doing anything. I have it plugged in the wall. I don't know because she is like so anxious about everything. Do you want me to send you my kitty anxiety pills that my cat won't take? You can try them. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, that's 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 what we're dealing with 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 the cleaners as well. She's just but hey, I haven't been fired yet. She's like, I do find a lot of cat hair. I'm like, yeah, lady, I have four cats or three cats. What do you expect? (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, I could vacuum twice a week. And right now, I just don't have a vacuum that is up to the task of all the pet hair that there is. And so... You are so funny. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, I keep checking Amazon. Like, is it out for delivery yet? Is it out for delivery? (laughs) I can't wait. And I ordered a set of bags separately, you know, replacement bags. And the bags came yesterday. And the vacuum's coming today. I'm like, this is such a tease. How it dare is. you send me the bags before the vacuum? <laughs> That's so funny. I can't wait till Leah listens to the beginning of this and she's like, did you really talk? 
for seven and a half long. minutes going on eight about, vac- about vacuums. Yeah, we did, Leah. Yeah, about did. clean. Okay. About cleaning. And you know what? <laughs> how do I enjoy it? Well, how do we segue? So tomorrow to- you will be. Tomorrow I will already have my vacuum. <laughs> tomorrow my floors will shine like the top of the Chrysler building, except their carpet. <laughs> So tomorrow is the drama that we're talking about today. That's not great wordplay, but whatever. So yeah, Megan and I both watched tomorrow. Um, Leah may watch it eventually, uh, but we both finished it. And so we thought this would be a great one to talk about while we are sadly absent our our third crew member. And it is our middle child. Our middle child. <laughs> that is for sure. And our, uh, sorry, and tomorrow is definitely a drama that has a lot to discuss. And so I'm really excited to talk about not just my love for Rowoon, but for the entire cast and the stories told in this drama. So let's get to it. We've made it clear on the pod that we are all fans of paranormal stories, ones that include everything from vampires to aliens. And way back in our baby K-drama watching days, when we first discovered Goblin, a.k.a. Guardian, the Lonely and Great God, we not only fell for Gong Yu as the titular Kim Shin, but we also fell hard for Lee Dong-wook as the single tear-crying, memory-erasing, tea-brewing, half of one of the best bromances ever, Reaper. In fact, some of us fell harder for Reaper than Goblin. (laughs) That some does not include me. (laughs) <laughs> but still, we all love a tortured Grim Reaper. So when we heard that one of Netflix's 2022 dramas would be about a human who accidentally becomes a Reaper, joining a team not of soul collectors, but of soul savers, we couldn't wait to dive in. So that's right. We are talking about Tomorrow, the drama written by Kim Yoo Jin and based on the webcomic of the same name, written by Rama. Tomorrow stars Ro Woon as Choi Jun Wung, a young man who just wants to get a job but can't seem to get hired. One night, he sees a man trying to end his life by jumping off a bridge and decides to intervene, not knowing that two Grim Reapers, Ku Ryun, played by Kim Hee Sun, and Lim Ryung Gu, played by Yoon Ji An, are part of the Afterlife's risk management team, tasked with saving humans from taking their own lives. Jun Wung ends up in a coma and in hot water with the Reaper world for almost botching their mission. Kim Hae-suk, as the King of Heaven, offers him a deal. He can work as a temporary Reaper, helping the risk management team, while his corporeal body lies in a coma for six months. Or he can stay in a coma for three years, causing great hardship to his mother and sister. So he gets his first, quote, job as the third member of the risk management team. And while we won't get to his connection to the story until later... We cannot intro this drama without mentioning the enigmatic <laughs> Cool AF dresses like Neo from The Matrix, Lee Soo Hyuk as Soul Collector, Park Joon Gil. Uh, yes, this drama starts with some triggering subject matter, not just suicide as a whole, but also factors leading to the decision of suicide, such as poverty, shame, grief, bullying, and the pitfalls of fame. According to worldpopulationreview.com, as of 2019, South Korea was ranked fourth in suicide rates per 100,000 of the population. So obviously this drama and the webcomic on which it is based is touching on an issue that is very personal to the country. If you have not watched Tomorrow yet and are triggered by the content, we do want 
you to know that the drama treats this tough subject with care, and we hope to do the same with our discussion. We will also alert you to spoilers, so if you plan on watching the drama at a later date, you're still safe to listen as we will touch on the non-spoiler section first. So let's start with Rowoon. <laughs> I were we both first timers? First I think first so, time yeah. Rowooners? Is that a word? If mm-hmm. not, it is now. So what was your first impression of Rowoon as Choi Jung Moon? And has this impression made you change your age floor as far as thirstiness is concerned? <laughs> so yeah, this was my first introduction to Rowoon, and it was a delight. I totally see why he's landing roles. He's really magnetic and charming on screen. Uh, just we should say Rowoon is also an idol with SF9, although he's really not been active with the group. I think mostly because he, he's he's acting now. I think that's that's kind of where he's putting his focus because SF9 just had a comeback and Rowoon wasn't involved. So he really displays his, invo- his emotions so well. His character in Tomorrow wears his heart on his sleeve. And I just think Rowoon was the, just the, the best actor to play Jun Woong. I still think Rowoon maybe just looks a tad bit too young for me. Just a tad. Just a little, just a little <laughs> bit for me to really like lower my floor. But... If I got to see him in a more mature role, I may change my mind. Like, if he definitely played, like, an older character and maybe in a slightly, like, more alpha role, I'd be, like, totally into it. Yeah, he definitely, he looks older to me, like, because he's so tall and there's something about his oh, height, he right? And it yeah. makes him it makes him present older, but his character is very naive and very, you know young like you can tell he's you know super green at like having a job and so there is that part of it as well um i still yeah i found him adorable and i can't wait to see him you know grow as a performer and get a little bit older <laughs> but yeah when i when he first came on screen i'm like who is this man he is beautiful and so charming um but yes 25 is young <laughs> a little yeah. a little too young for me but my thought watching him was not like, I want to push him in a pram. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. It's not like J.A. Chan from uh, Samantha <laughs> no. Error, who I definitely want to push in yes. a pram. Rowoon's definitely older than yes. that. And presents older than that, too, even though it's only a few, even though he's only a few years older than J.A. Chan. Yeah. On IMDb Internet Movie Database, which is my favorite place to go to to see like how how dramas are kind of classified for for a Western audience, this drama is tagged as action, comedy, drama, all of which I think are accurate. So how do you think Tomorrow succeeds at infusing comedy into some very serious and, like we said, triggering subject matter? Yeah, I actually can't believe this drama was as funny as it was, considering the subject matter. But the comedy to me was was really good. It was never really at the expense of another character or the serious subjects. I really liked the moments of levity and I thought they were well done and just endeared the drama to me more. Yeah, I think that's what's really important to note is that the comedy aspects of the drama are never poking fun at anything serious going on. It's usually a funny reaction from Rowoon's character or it's something that happens after a heavier scene has like some sort of resolution. And it's just such a great balance and done in such a way as to never treat the subject of suicide or the characters and most emotional journeys as a joke like that's never like that's I want to keep pointing that out is that the heavy subject matter is never a joke in this drama but somehow they make it work the comedy with such serious subject matter and I loved it yeah I agree 
Uh, so Tomorrow is told via a series of vignettes that last one or two episodes each, but it is also framed by June Wong's predicament of being in a coma and watching his mom and sister suffer as well as the mystery surrounding the past of our three main reapers, Ku Ryun, Lim Ryung-gu, and Park Joon-gil. How did this format work for you as far as the storytelling, and did you find any frustration with it? For the most part, I loved it. It was very much, we've talked about this, it was very much like Move to Heaven, where you get some resolution after a couple of episodes, which gives you room to breathe, especially with it being such heavy subject matter. And because of this, I think I was able to enjoy the drama in small bites and not have to like ditch my real life and my children and my writing responsibilities to binge it, which I think is a good thing. Like, I think it's great when we say like a drama is so good that it's bingeable, but I don't think it makes a drama any less good when it's not bingeable. And I think this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, totally agree with the Move to Heaven comp. I mean, that is, to me, a very direct comp. If you liked Move to Heaven, tomorrow is for you. I really enjoyed the vignettes. And like, I think on the pod, I was like, every time we would record, I was like, I'm still watching tomorrow. I'm still watching tomorrow. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was actually a really good summer watch for me because I felt like I could watch like one episode and I didn't have to like abandon, you know, what I had to get done in the summer. It was kind of nice because I, I, it's kind of felt to me like a lot of times I'll read novellas at night um, because they're really short and I, can read them in one sitting and I really like kind of getting a resolution in one sitting and that's the way tomorrow was for me for the most part I will say I think towards the end which we had discussed this before I do think some of the resolutions for the main characters were a bit rushed at the end and I you know it was like there was a lot of vignettes and the the um which I enjoyed, but then I really kind of did want a little bit more on the back end um, for the the main characters. It's not that I was dissatisfied. Um, it was just a little rushed. 100% agree. And we will get into that like in the spoiler section because that's definitely a point of contention for me. Not, not to like the extent that it made me not love the drama because I did. Right. But I absolutely wanted more for some of our main characters that the drama just didn't leave time for at the end. Right. Okay, so finally, before we get to spoilers, Megan, can you touch on some confusion that we both had regarding Jun Wong's appearance in the world of the living while he's working as a reaper in the hopes that maybe a listener can straighten it all out for us? Yeah, so I'm going to try and explain this in a way that makes sense. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping someone can, like, maybe someone gets it and I'm mis- we're missing something. So Jun Wung is a reaper, right? But he's like half a reaper because as we said, he's in a coma in real life and then he's like himself or alive in the reaper world. So when he's in the real world as his like reaper self, the drama shows us that he looks like a middle-aged man and we see this when he runs into his best friend, his sister, and his mom because they obviously can't recognize him. They think he's in a coma, okay? So... <laughs> When he, like, appears to them, he's like, has a different appearance. And so, you know, the drama makes that very clear, I would say, like, early on. That was, like, a like an early thing because uh, one of the episodes actually deals with his, which is, which is best friend. So I assumed, okay, well, he looks like that to everyone. Just in the real world, he's just this, like, middle-aged man, right? But uh, this isn't really spoilery. No, it's I'm not. I'm going to try and, yeah. There is a scene where an elderly woman in the real world recognizes him from one of his past lives. 
and she doesn't recognize him as a middle-aged man. Like, they have a flashback to his previous life, and he's there as, like, you know, handsome, dashing Rowoon. So she recognizes him. Reaper him. As, like, like, and that's as Reaper him. Right. His, like, young image. So I guess I'm very confused. If they if they didn't have that scene, I would have just assumed he appeared middle-aged to everyone. Right, same. But, so I, basically I'm confused. Does he only appear as this middle-aged man to those who know him? But, like, where's the line exactly. of recognition? <laughs> Is that weird? Like, where are the rules? How does he only appear as a middle-aged man to some people, but not to others? And, like, also, I just feel like that was that would be a weird choice for like the king of heaven to like make because what if like his mom is there and then someone else is like oh you're really attractive young man and she's like what are you talking about he's like he's like 50 like I <laughs> basically like i don't get it 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 just doesn't seem to like gel it doesn't it doesn't jive up it doesn't match up right what and I, what you know like, what if what if what if jun wong is just walking down the street and passes somebody who knows him in the real world. Does he all of a sudden change to middle-aged man? Like, you know? Well, yeah, I guess just, like, who's seeing him? Is it, like, did they only see him through, like, their eyes as a middle-aged man? But again, that doesn't seem to, like, match up. Because a stranger would see him differently than... Right, I just, it, has, it, it doesn't it make has sense. nothing to do with the plot. It really does not. And No, it's just, just annoying We're just hung me. up on this. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm really honestly, I am like I like messaged Amy and I'm like, wait a minute, and it it hadn't even phased me. Like that's the thing, I hadn't thought about it until she was like, but no, in you know this particular episode when she sees him in the woods, I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah, the elderly woman sees him as like his young dashing self. So what she doesn't, she definitely isn't like in your past life. You were this middle aged man. I mean, she's <laughs> anyway. I'm. I feel like. If you haven't watched it, I think this might be confusing. But if you have watched tomorrow, let me know if this occurred to you, or maybe like we're missing something. Just let or me maybe know. you let me you know. were like me and you weren't even thinking about it, and Megan brought it up, and you're like, "Well, damn." Now I, I don't know. I, I don't know a, what he looked like to the people in the real world now. <laughs> so, all right, we'll, we'll get off of that because we're just confusing you more. And, right. we'll, and we'll go into uh, one of our favorite parts of the show, which is our K-pop rec of the week. And Megan, what do you have for us today? So today I'm going to recommend Sneakers by Itzy. So I have recommended an Itzy song before. I really love the girl group Itzy. They're just really cute. I kind of love their message, which is a lot about, you know, being yourself, being having a lot of self-confidence, things like that. So their new song is called Sneakers. It's just really cute. The video's fun. They're like wearing fancy clothes, running around in their sneakers. And also, I bet they love it because sometimes these K-pop girl groups have to be like dancing in heels. (laughs) And finally, these girls get to like do their award shows in sneakers. So good for them, you know? So anyway, yeah, check it out. It's called Sneakers and it's by Itzy, which is I-T-Z-Y. That's a good move to make sneakers your thing. Right? Totally. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. 
gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, glow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so we are now moving into our spoiler section of the drama. And I do think that if you have not watched tomorrow, that even though it's little vignettes that do get tied up, you know, along the way, that the framework of the story, mainly like Kurion, our Reaper, like her backstory there's going to be some huge spoilers that I don't think you want to know before you watch because it is a big part of the story and a big part of the mystery. So it's I'll, we'll leave it up to you, but just letting you know that we are going to spoil the hell out of her backstory because it's very important as far as her whole arc and, and how, we, how we enjoyed that arc and, and wanted more of it. So you have been warned. We're going to start spoiling. We're going to spoil some vignettes. We're going to spoil a whole backstory. So here's your chance to duck out and come back in a little bit, okay? So before we talk about some of the specific vignettes and the frame story in detail, let's discuss the rules of the afterlife regarding suicide according to tomorrow. This is not meant to be a religious discussion or an attack on anyone's beliefs as they pertain to suicide, since we are all coming at this from varying angles. But we feel it's important to lay out the rules according to the drama since they do affect much of the story. So just a warning that we will be discussing suicide. So if that is a triggering topic for you, please proceed with caution. Also, in Tomorrowland, like I said, there are rules. So the two main rules or consequences for taking one's own life are the following. One, taking your own life severs the ties of fate between you and any loved ones, whether that be a romantic partner, children, etc., for eternity. So... You won't see those people again in the afterlife. You're cut off from them. They won't remember you in the afterlife, like all of that, okay? And two, anyone who takes their own life spends eternity in hell. Yet, Kurion, who should be doing just that, is offered a shot at redemption by heading up the risk management team for the king of heaven. So what did you think of the rules along with the king of heaven breaking those rules to give someone like Kurion a second chance? So this was hard for me, and I sort of had to treat the drama as as very independent a bit, like in a way that I was kind of like, okay, these are the rules for this world that the drama has re- has created. So that's the lens that I'm going to watch the drama through, okay? Because if I sort of pulled out and looked at it in a more objective way, I didn't personally uh, love thinking of the idea that those who commit suicide are punished for eternity, Um, So again, I really had to view this a little bit more as like a fantasy world that these are the rules for this K-drama. And that's how I had to view it, if that makes sense. And, you know, that's, you know, my my non-religious self. But that is 
how I had to view the K-drama for me to kind of get the, the full enjoyment out of it. Like, these are the rules of this world in this K-drama. Yeah, I think that's important to note is that you have to watch it through the lens that the drama is showing it to you. And I think that the rules are maybe there to touch on some of the religious aspects of suicide and acknowledge that in some faiths it is seen as a sin. But also on the flip side, I feel like the King of Heaven giving Kurion a chance at redeeming herself of her own guilt for taking her life is a nod to the idea that the issue isn't black or white, that it's one big gray area, especially for her character who was pushed into doing what she did by her husband's mother. So I I like that they are giving us that lens, but that they are also saying this is not a steadfast rule because we have to look at every case, every situation in its, you know, with its own sort of backstory and its own sort of, you know, lens as far as what led up to that decision. So I did like that, that we had this world that is like, yep, this is punishable for eternity, but maybe not. Yeah. And I do have to say that the whole drama itself treated suicide with understanding because that was actually kind of a big point is that Pak Joon-gil was very, very adamant that if you took your own life, you were just a horrible person. There was no reason. And Kurion and several of the other characters had to say, well, look, this isn't it's not black and white um, and you need to under, be understanding of people's situations and uh, realize that a lot of times they need a helping hand. They need help. So I did. I did appreciate that. Yeah, I thought they dealt with with the rules in a really in a really good way. It's a tough subject matter, right? And I think that the way that they dealt with it, I think it was really well done. We can't talk about all of the vignettes in detail, but if you had to pick one as your favorite, which would it be and why? So mine would have to be the veteran, the veteran story. I mean, the way I cried at this one was, woof. Um, So to set up the story, a veteran in the Korean War fought for his country and really couldn't adjust well to civilian life after the war. So Lee Young-chun led a tough life of hard labor. He never married or had kids. He also saved the life of a fellow soldier, but that man was left with a missing leg and the kind of flashback they showed was that he seemed to blame Young Chun, meaning why did you save me? Because how can I live my life like this? So at the point of the drama, he's elderly and he's led a very much unappreciated life and he kind of wants to, to end it. He doesn't realize that fate already has decided to like, you know, end his life. So they talk a lot about that too. Like there's, you know, the date that you die is like, is set. And he wants to kind of end it a little early. And they're like, look, you actually only have a day to live. So we want to show you um, that you are appreciated. And I love that they kind of take him up and they, you know, to like an overlook, they show him all of Korea and they're like, this is what you helped build. Like you helped fight for this. Um, And the man that you saved, he actually that was a moment of, of, you know, emotion that he was angry at losing his leg, but really he's, he's, he credits you with saving his life. He married, he had kids, grandkids, he's led a long life and you did that. Like you, you made that possible. And so the Reapers, you know, made him feel appreciated for all he did for his country. And so when he died, so obviously like they knew you only have a day and he kind of knew he only had a day. And when he died, they brought out all the Reapers 
all these like black suited reapers and they lined the streets and gave him essentially like a hero's um, exit in a way. And so my, my grandfather was a World War II veteran. He was a pilot in the Air Force. Um, he flew over the beach of Normandy, you know, and he was very, he loved, he led a really quiet, he died a few years ago and he led a really quiet life and he never really wanted um, like a lot of recognition. He would never do like interviews because he was kind of like, he was actually, he let, he lived a really long time. So like locally, he was one of the last living um, veterans, but he just didn't really want to talk about the war very much. And but like I always wanted him to know how he was appreciated. And so I kind of p- kept picturing him in the place of Young Chun. And so when the Reapers were like lining the streets and, you know, honoring him and his service and the elderly man who had been like a trash collector, which nothing's wrong being a trash collector, but they're definitely showing that he led a hard, hard life. And he um, kind of walks after, you know, after he passes, he like walks with his chin held high. And, oh my gosh, I mean, I cried really hard because I felt, and I felt like they were torturing me. I mean, they drew out that scene, it right? It's beautiful, they, like, really, Like, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like they stand silently. Oh my gosh. I mean, I cried so hard, but we just had a Patreon live today and we were kind of talking a little bit about tomorrow. And I was saying that, yes, I cried a lot in tomorrow, but a lot of it was like a cry that... I I have a hard time explaining because it was almost like a happy, relieved cry. Like, yes, I was sad that in the drama he died, but I was also like relieved and happy that he was finally getting recognition. He was getting like uh, he was finally being shown as a hero. So it was just it felt I would say most of the time that I cried in this drama, it felt like a cathartic. Agree. A hundred percent. Like it's it was always at the sort of resolution and somebody Either yes. somebody either dies at the resolution or is mourning somebody who died, you know, at the resolution. Mm-hmm. And it was just done so well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That I'd be bawling. And that was such a good one. I, I loved it. It was done so well. And you just got me all choked up even just talking about it. I like, know. I was almost, I was like, am I going to cry talking oh, about this? Oh, so good. Yeah. So for me, because I am, you know, a hopeless romantic, I went with the romance one. And so my favorite was the two episodes titled Tree One and Tree Two with the busker and the ballerina played by Sung Yoon from the group Winner, who I was, you know, so delighted to see again when we did Prison Playbook. And Lee Noah, who I just realized today was one of the nurses in Hospital Playlist, and that's why she looked so familiar to me. Oh, okay. Um, like their love story just broke me. So a little bit of background on them. Um, it starts with Lee Noah's character. She's a ballerina and she gets injured and can't dance anymore and is depressed and you know without direction and she's sitting at a bus stop on a bench in the rain and Sung Yoon's character just walks up to her um Woo Jin and holds an um- and gives her an umbrella and that's it and they're strangers you know they don't see each other again then she sees him busking in the streets one day because he's a, a singer a busker and of course I had to look up I'm like okay this guy is like an amazing singer is he an idol? And of course he was. So um, so she sees Wu Jin busking and basically is like, that's the guy who gave me the umbrella. And it immediately is like, I love this man. <laughs> and starts following him around. And at first you're like, okay, lady, leave this guy alone. He wants nothing to do with you. But then when you you know get to know his backstory a little bit, like he is somebody who for a long time 
doesn't feel that he deserves love because it keeps losing people that he loves and feels responsible that people that he loves dies, even though he has nothing to do with their deaths. He's just like, he sees himself as the common denominator. And so he lives a sort of solitary existence, but, um, but Na Young doesn't leave him alone and finally like shows him that somebody, you know, can care about him still. And they fall in love and they get married, even though her parents don't approve of him. You know, he tries to break up with her because her parents don't approve because he's, you know, just a busker. What kind of future does he have? And she still won't leave him. Even when he tries to break her heart and says he doesn't love her, she knows that he's lying. She won't leave him. It's beautiful. And then they get into a car accident and she dies. And the way that their story starts for us, the viewer, is hilarious. Like, talk about, like, infusing the comedy. We've got Jun Wung as Reaper, as, as a Reaper, in a coffee shop, because the Reapers just live as humans, basically eat, drink, and sleep, and all that stuff, in a coffee shop ordering a coffee, and he sees Nayang walk out of a wall. And he's like, oh my god, I'm seeing a ghost. And he tries to pretend like he doesn't see her, because he's freaked out. Yeah. He's like, I don't yeah, see and you. she's like, you see me, you see me, and she won't leave him alone. And finally, <laughs> finally, you know, he talks to her and realizes that she is an escaped soul. She's escaping being collected because she knows that Wu Jin is going to try and kill himself and she wants the Reapers to save him. And so that's the sort of, you know, just their story is that they hide her from the soul collectors <laughs> like Pak Jun Gil. They hide her from them for as long as they can so that she can keep him from killing himself and he gets i mean he gets to see her briefly he gets to you know understand that even though he may seem like a common denominator that he is not responsible because he's like i killed her i killed her he is not responsible for the deaths that happen around him he has just so far had an unfortunate existence and she convinces him to live a good life to not break, you know, sever their ties of fate that, you know, someday they will see each other again. But the only way that they can do that is if he lives a good life and takes, I mean, I, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it right now. Like it's just yeah, such, it, great... a, it starts out funny, like to show you how they do the comedy thing. It starts out funny, like who is this random ghost? And then it has a very poignant story to it. And Sung Yoon is an amazing actor. Like I keep mm-hmm. talking about how floored I am when I find out that people start as, as idols and then move into acting and how are they so talented and all of the things that they do. But he was just absolutely wonderful. And another reason why it was fun to see him in prison playbook, you know, even though tomorrow came after I watched prison playbook um, after this, this drama, and it was fun to see him in a bit of a lighter role and a funnier role. And, you know, to Mm -hmm. see him as Jean Valjean in prison playbook, but yeah, their story just, it killed me, but again, it was the type of cry at the end where I felt good about Wu Jin going forward, that he was going to be okay. He knew he was going to live a happy life. And actually, this story is a good example of why we talk about the rules of the world matter and that you have to you have to accept the rules of the world. So maybe if you don't like love the idea that suicide will sever fate, all that rule is very important to the drama. So just, you know, you, you got to kind of look at the you know, just understand that those are the rules of the drama. It's just, it's just that world. That's right. it. Um, because yeah, the, she has to say like, if you do end your life early, you'll, you'll never see, you will sever the ties of fate for us and we'll never be together again. And he has to, you know, be like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to live for myself and I'm going to live with the idea that I'll see you again. Oh, so good. Yeah. And 
It's it is. It's great. And I would I, I love that one too. I would have watched a whole drama of yes. Like speaking of would watch a whole drama, but it's another thing that I want to throw in. Like we talk about and we'll get to it in a little bit about um Kurion and Park Jun Gil's story being wrapped up too quickly. I would watch an entire drama of their historical romance. Like and I'm not a historical person and I would watch an entire drama drama of them. Honestly, their story could have been like could have been its own yes. thing. Like, I, I do think it's interesting how they decided to structure their story, because that could have been a full... I just... I, I do... Well, we'll get yeah, to it. We we'll will. get to it. Okay. So on the flip side, is there a vignette that wasn't your favorite? Like, I think we both feel oh. the same, right? Yeah. So there's an, there's an episode that um, has to do with eating disorders, and I think this is an important, you know, uh, important mental illness to touch on and i'm glad that they did but the the woman who had the eating disorder she was you know she was bulimic and she kept getting thinner and thinner and was disappearing and she ended up you know befriending like the the risk management team helps her you know choose herself over you know over her body dysmorphia but one of the and i thought it was good but one of the things that i had a quibble with in this one is that she, you know, becomes friends with a woman at work who is body positive, which I think is fantastic. She was a full figure, full figure, body positive, woman. and like their boss always like makes fun of her for eating and stuff like that, which is shitty. And I, it was important to put that in there for the storyline. But what bothered me is it made it look like there were only like two extremes. You either were like had an eating disorder and were wasting away. Or body positivity meant that you were drinking frappuccinos and eating pastries all the time. Which I think yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine that this character was like, I love myself and I'm, uh-huh. you know, and so I'm going to do what I want. But they always seem to show her like eating pastries and drinking frappuccinos, which I don't think that that is the definition of body positivity. I absolutely <laughs> think it's fine to indulge and eat what you want and feel good about yourself. But they also made it that, you know, she's, she she mentions that when she was a kid, she got sick and almost died. And that made her realize, well, I just have to enjoy life. And enjoy life means drinking frappuccinos and eating pastries all the time, which I think there's a little bit, there's right. a little bit more to body positivity than that. <laughs> and there's also, it's, it's, it's not like anyone who's plus size, all they do is eat exactly. candy. Like that's not, and that's what they mean. Some it people, seem? it's just your body type and it doesn't matter what right. decisions you make, you just... <laughs> Everybody has their own metabolism and their own, you know, genetics and stuff like that. And not everybody right. is going to be super thin, even if they work out all the time and eat nothing but right. vegetables. You know what I mean? Right. If she wasn't plus, like, most people are not plus size just because they have a drawer full of, of candy bars, which she did. She would be like, who's hungry? Yes. And she'd open up her bottom drawer and it was just, like, full of candy. It's like, look, that's not why people are plus sized. It's not because they're eating candy all the time. It was just sort of, yeah, it was a little clunky. Yes. And my issue, my, my that was the same vignette that I kind of had an issue with. So she was bulimic and uh, the main character and they made it, they, they basically told us she had been bulimic for a long time, like since she was like a teenager. Yeah. Okay. And she was an adult now. I mean, so she had to have been bulimic for at least six years, maybe longer. If, if you kind of like look at the timeline, right. that is a long time to be bulimic. Meaning you 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 are going to have some like medical issues going on and kind of drew me a little crazy because they were just like, you need to like, you know, like love yourself and eat. And it's and then they just kind of had her like trying cake and loving it. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. 
wait, 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 wait. First of all, she would have she would probably need to go to some sort of treatment. She would need to seek medical attention. She would probably have to be put on some sort of like diet by a medical prof- not diet um eating plan by a medical professional like she wouldn't just be able to like eat cake and be okay not after being bulimic for like six years do you know yes. what i'm saying like there is a proper way to get healthy when you've been starving your body and so i found that really weird that she was just like digging into cake and i was like hold up that's not the way it's gonna happen and they never kind of mentioned like therapy right. Which I do feel like the Reapers for a lot of these people were therapy, but especially for someone who had um, body dysmorphia for that long, she was going to need, you know, some serious like mental health um, sessions. Yes. So that was like my only issue. I'm just like, look, she's not just going to go to a coffee shop and be like, mm, cake. Like she is going to need medical attention, therapy, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't just get over um, that long having an eating disorder. That was like my only issue with that um it just felt clunky at the end and almost a little too i mean maybe that you could say it was like after school special yes. it was just like hello i can eat cake now and it's like okay that's does right that makes sense Absolutely. it's it's not how it works it's that's not an immediate it's not an immediate fix like there's going to be years yeah. of therapy needed there yeah you don't just give someone cake if they've been bulimic for however long so again it was clunky it was still a nice ending she still um, she seemed they did do a f- sort of a follow up with her and she seemed to be doing really well. It's OK. It was just my least. Its heart favorite. was in the right place because it was it was it Agreed. was all about body positivity. I just think we needed Correct. to get there on a little right. bit different of a road. <laughs> right. I agree with you. OK, so even as an animal lover and as someone who with you, Megan, thoroughly enjoyed you Sung Ho acting his ass off with a dying cat and imaginary cat. Yep. I admit that I rolled my eyes when it got to the episode with a suicidal dog. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh because that's not how I felt at the end of this episode. So my first thought, though, was, okay, they're running out of story ideas. This is going to be cheesy AF. And then I found myself bawling at the end of the vignette, realizing that tomorrow was continuously topping itself as far as touching on all the ways living creatures deal with death. Megan, what were your thoughts on the dog story? And do you agree with my assessment? I mean, absolutely. Yes. So this episode was really a testament to the acting of the main leads because I can't, I could not believe that they were holding full conversations with a dog (laughs) and they did it in a believable way. I fully believed that they thought the dog could understand them and that the dog could understand them. Also like, credit to like the dog actor the dog and whoever was training that dog like oh my god i oh (laughs) i thought it was gonna be silly like i was really like oh my god is this getting into like again i don't mind like silly but not when you're dealing with like suicide so i was kind of like this seems really silly and maybe even like a mockery of suicide in a way and then i realized no this is actually a really a really wonderful kind of message so the whole idea is that um the dog kong and it's it's a tiny pomeranian too named kong which oh <laughs> this dog was the cutest freaking dog too that's another thing and so he's he's dying he has he has cancer um i think right or something he's, he's dying. dying he's a and really he knows. really old dog <laughs> he's dying and he knows 
he's dying and he knows because he is fully self-aware. And I know this sounds crazy. You just have to trust us. So, you know, he'd been with this boy, now a man, but he'd been with this with his owner since the kid was a boy. The boy saved him from like the side of a road, had him until he's like a full grown man. And Kong overhears that he's dying. So, you know, the, the his owner is on the phone. And he's like, uh, I think his owner says something like, if Kong dies, I will not be able to handle it. Like, I can't, I, I you know, I, this is this is really taking a toll on me emotionally. I, you know, and so Kong's like, oh, well, then he can't, he can't watch me die. So Kong runs away. And that's basically what happens. They, he tries to like, he tries to run in front of a car. I don't mean to laugh. I know. It's not funny, he tries to kill like, himself. He tries to kill himself. He tries to run in front of a car and the Reapers are like, what the hell are you doing? You're like a cute little dog. And so the message end, ends up being, well, this is why it's so cool too, because it ties back to Rowoon. Because Rowoon obviously is technically in a coma and he has to watch his mom and his sister Isn't it struggle. his sister who saves the dog too from getting hit? Yeah. Oh yeah, his sister saves the dog too. So it's another thing. So he's talking to his sister in his like middle-aged <laughs> man persona. And um, so he obviously is feeling guilt because he knows his mom and his sister are stressed from dealing with with him and, and the medical cost of him being in a coma and so it's like crazy because they tie this like dog situation back to Rawoon, which is pretty genius in yep. all honesty so i mean eventually they you know reunite the dog with his owner because the owner's like i know you're dying but like i want to spend I want to spend this time with you. Like I, this is part of like loving someone is, you know, taking care of them through hard times. And, you know, I guess Kong was like, he didn't want to be a burden and the, and his owner had to be like, you're not a burden. And that's kind of what Rowoon also had to like realize too. Like, yes, his mom and his sister might be having a hard time, but like they're willing to do this because they love him. And I do have to say the death scene, this dog acted this death scene i cannot what <laughs> the dog's eyes slowly he's closed. just holding him he's holding him in his favorite spot that's another thing oh my god because they have these flashbacks where this dog has like a favorite spot where they look over the city so of course his freaking owner knows he's dying and he takes him to this favorite spot <laughs> and the dog the do- i mean i'm telling you right now this dog acted a better death than some human yep. actors i'm serious but the dog passes. And when I tell you how hard I cried over this stupid dog named Kong, like I'm talking sobbing, sobbing. So I sobbed so hard I had a headache. Like the next day I woke up with a headache over the stupid dog. But it was amazing. Like I'm so glad I watched it. I will think about Kong right? all the time. And then because because they're, because the ties of fate were not severed. Oh, Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. I, that's another thing. I felt like emotionally manipulated by the show because then um, they kind of flash forward and Kong is sitting there with the king of heaven. In the afterlife. In the afterlife. And she's like someone, you know, it's been 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, something like that. Maybe it was no, like 50, 50 years. Yeah, because he was young. Years. She's like, OK, well, someone needs to see you. And his white haired human walks in. And our owner, you know, because he's he's an he passed away and they reunite because Kong didn't sever the ties of fate. And because he died naturally. Kong I, runs I into his you, arms. 
runs into his arms. I was like, this is so wrong. I'm so angry at this freaking show because I cried because, again, I have mentioned before, I had, you know, my beloved cat died um, about three years ago now. And I think about that all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be reunited with her. And so, yeah, it was really manipulative, but it was amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, dog episode I thought was going to be silly was not. Crazy, right? Okay, so we learn the secret of Lim Ryungu's backstory first. So they save Ku Ryun's backstory until the end. Of all our Reapers, uh, we feel like he was written with a bit of a nod to Lee Dong-wook's portrayal of Reaper and Goblin, especially with his ability to unleash all of his intense sadness and regret with one single fast-rolling tear (laughs) down his cheek. Like, hell yeah. (laughs) Ryungu, though, unlike Kuryun, did not take his own life, but instead has lived with countless years of regret over his mother taking her life. So what did you think of his story as far as how it dealt with those left behind, especially children, due to suicide? Oof. This, I mean, this was super emotional. So what you see in in the drama is, in present day is you always see Ryungu like following this woman around. You know, keeping a distance, but like at the end of his work day, he always gets off at a certain amount of time and he disappears. And like later on, we find out he's been following this pregnant woman around. And for a while, you think it's somebody that he was in love with in a past life. But then you find out it's the reincarnation of his mother. And she ends up having her own vignette as well because she loses her baby and is, oof, it is rough. And she wants to take mm-hmm. her life again. Um, so yeah, I, I loved not only that they showed how much this affected Ryungu as a child, but also how the guilt never left him for decades and decades and decades until he was able to accept that he was too young to understand the situation when his mother took her own life and that it was okay for him to unburden himself of that grief and finally let her go. Because in present day... I don't know how they get to do it because the ties of fate are supposed to be severed because she took her own life, but he is able to reveal himself to her as her son, who is now a reaper um, in the present day when she's thinking about taking her own life and to, Oh, he does a, he does a snap yeah. thing. He uses, he uses his powers the power to that, basically show her. Right. Her and then, and then him. she'll forget it and she'll forget him forever. Um, but to show her that she was a good mother that she raised him well, even, you know, even though, because she was a former concubine, and that's, like, what kind of led to her taking her own life is, you know, him thinking she was a whore and her trying to save him from, you know, the former noble who, you know, who had her as a concubine. So there's a lot that goes into this. But he reveals right. himself to her when she's on the brink of of taking her life again to say, look, we had our chance and our our fate is severed. We're not going to see each other again, but you have your chance to see your daughter again. Your your stillborn mm-hmm. daughter, you will have your chance to see her again and she will be waiting for you in the afterlife, but you have to let her go and understand that it wasn't your fault that you lost her. And I mean it was so emotional and so beautifully mm-hmm. done and she got to see her son and remember her son and remember being a mother. And I mean, it just, I thought I loved it. It was so, so heavy and so rough, but like, again, ended with this lightness. And I loved the, uh, the visual metaphor for the weight being lifted is that he cut off his blonde mullet. Yeah. And I liked his mullet too. I mean, he was hot. He was hot hot no matter what, but like he cut off his blonde mullet and stopped picking his nose. (laughs) 
I mean, just that tiny little like sort of visual metaphor where he shows up after that scene, dressed differently, hair, you know, like a little bit of a glow up. And yeah, and to show that like he finally had this weight lifted from his shoulders, that he knows now that he'll never see her again. But he also knows that she is unburdened of that guilt. And that meant the world to him. And it was so good. Yeah. And from a writing aspect, this was really good because part of, again, the rules of the world that come into play later with Kuryun is that um, if there was a very severe trauma in one of your past lives, that wound can stick with you through your next lives, even if you don't know the reason. So that was really interesting because part of it was that she still kind of had this like wound from what happened in that life, from taking her own life. And that's why they say like the, if you did take your own life, sometimes it can like carry over into, into your next lives. Um, that like wound or that trauma um, that can kind of continually affect you and you have to break that mm-hmm. cycle in order to stop that wound from continuing again on into your, your next lives. Um, and I, so I, I also, I did like that rule. Um, again, it was hard for me a little bit if I applied that rule to like real life. So again, I had to view this a little bit as like a fantasy world um, for, for me, but I did love that rule of the world. I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting and it really played, played into, well, actually what we're going to talk about next. Yes. The um, big secret. Which actually I'll get the into. The big it. reveal. Yeah. So Kurion and Park Jun Gil are at odds for most of the drama as he is a collector of souls and does not see any good in keeping humans from taking their own lives since it keeps him from collecting their souls. He also has nightmares because Reapers apparently live as humans, eating and sleeping and punching in at the office, <laughs> including Kurion, that he doesn't understand. Like, she's in his dreams, and he doesn't understand why, because that life, well, that he had with Kurion was, like, two past lives ago, and he doesn't remember. You only remember your previous past well, it was, life. it was locked, too. And, and, and it, it was, was locked. locked. Like, the, the ledger locked. of it was locked, too, so he couldn't read about it. Yeah. So, however, we learn in the last couple of episodes of the drama that the memory of, yeah, of his first life had been locked or erased so in his first life he and kuryun both from noble families fall in love and wed as teens and it's really sweet um they have like they you know they have flashbacks they show the beginning of their romance it's really lovely and as an adult rayon and many other women of the village are kidnapped by outlaws even though they escape and they make it back home all the women are basically branded as whores who must have slept their way to freedom, though we know they were actually they actually poisoned their captors, and that's how they got away. And they're ostracized from society. It's really nasty, to be honest. I, I kind of hated yep. those scenes because it was really heart wrenching. So June Gill still loves and believes his wife, but his mother talks Rion into taking her own life to spare him the tarnished reputation. Like talk about a mother in law <laughs> like from hell. After she saved the mother in law's life from these bandits, yeah, with her like fantastic archery yes. skills. Anyway, so Junkil catches her in the act the first time and he begs her, you know, never, never to do such a thing again. Like, do not take your life. But when their situation continues to decline, her mother tells Rion that either she takes responsibility and kills herself or she will be killed. And sadly, this time Rion succeeds. So what are your thoughts on this as the main frame of the story? And did you love the romance between her and Junkil? 
And how does her past feed into her role as a reaper, where the king of heaven told her she had to head up the risk management team until she saved a very specific person who needed the most saving? Oh, gosh. Like, I know. <laughs> I loved their backstory. Like I said, I mm-hmm. would watch a whole drama about their romance. It was so well done, especially because, you know, in in like the first two thirds of the drama, you see June Gill is just like this never smiling never emoting soul collector and he will beat the shit out of you if you get in his way like you know even if you're poor you know half reaper jun wung he wanted to do his job and it was that was it everything was black and white there's no reason for you to commit suicide if you do like so be it nobody should be stopping you from doing it and then you get to see him falling in love and he is like all smiles and super romantic and charming and Oh, I loved it so much. And I love that the King of Heaven put Kurion on this mission because the person who she needed to learn to save was herself. And in doing so, she also learned that the RM team was important because she was put as sort of the manager of the risk management team um, as a sort of trial thing. Like, you know, the King of Heaven is like, you just have to do this until you save this specific person and you'll know who it is when you get there. And then we can disband the RM team. But once Kurion realized that the person she had to save was herself, she realized also that the RM team was important and she wanted to see it grow and continue and to save more souls. And it was so well done um, from, I would say, Kurion's, you know, arc. My quibble about it, what I didn't like, was that the way that the way that Park Jungil finds out about their past is he, you know, gets to open up like his dreams and literally, like, puts on these headphones and watches the screen for, like, five minutes, and he knows his whole backstory. Whereas we got to watch it yeah. unfold, like, in real time. He knows his backstory, knows he needs to save her from the devil because the devil comes to take her back to hell. And that's kind of, like, it. He's like, yeah, you know, I know our, our ties of fate are severed, but, you know, I understand now why it's important to save people from committing suicide. The end. Like, it happened so quick because it was literally the last two episodes. And I really thought that they deserved a more fulfilling end than that. Cause then they're working together at the end, which I think is great. Like you see him like with, like I'm assuming he's part of the RM team now, or he, no, he said he was just passing by, um, but he doesn't try to stop them anymore. But I feel like because the rules were broken for Kurion to be able to get a second chance at redemption for having taken her own life under circumstances that were kind of beyond her control. I feel like that they're, romance deserved a second chance like how awesome would it have been to have them be able to be like reaper lovers (laughs) reaper lovers (laughs) or get to be born again what if they got to be born again i know know. i agree yeah and then we talked about that earlier that i do feel like the resolution for them was just done a little bit too hastily i kind of wanted it to be i wanted it more drawn out i wanted it to be more maybe like emotionally satisfying and this is what I meant where how like a wound can carry through. So because her death was so traumatic for him, that wound for him carried over into his next lives. And that's why he was so like anti-suicide, which not that you want to be pro-suicide, but it just mean he was like not understanding right. um, at all. And I think part of it was because uh, they explained that he like had that he had that wound from the past life, that like trauma over over her death that carried through. But he almost didn't no, know he didn't why. Know why. Yeah, yeah. And so that was why it was kind of interesting too, because when he did get the the details, um, he then was like, "Okay, now I get why I am the yeah. way I am." 
and he was a really he was a fantastic character i mean just the way he walked with like this the way he walks he acts me, with his walk oh my god it's insane he's just got this like swagger and uh, everything about him i, I yeah Lee he Yuck, was really great like, he, i want to see him all yeah, over the place he wore like a trench coat almost yep. the whole time fantastic so i will say like one thing i don't i don't know if i brought this up to you. i don't think i brought this up in our discussion um you know pre-recording so when i was watching the drama and there was you know, they give you the little, you know, preview of the next episode to come. And they showed the scene of the devil, like, beating the shit out of him. My yeah. thought was, and this is what I kind of wanted to see in the story. I thought, because okay. he was coming to collect Kurion and King of Heaven couldn't do anything about it, right? And they ended up making that, like, collect her because she basically went yes. off the rails. Like, he was going to arrest her and take yes. her back to hell. And it ended up being sillier than it should have, like, the devil and his crew. And what I was yeah, hoping was for silly. was that um, June Gill was going to get his you know, memories back and was going to sacrifice himself and say, take me instead. And that's what I thought that was foreshadowing. And I was like so excited for it. And instead, he was just trying to like divert the devil while she finished her her job of saving her reincarnated best friend. And just got like beat up. For, oh, yeah. Like, that wouldn't that have been, been really cool, cool if he was like, take me instead? And then she had to go to hell to save him. Yeah, I almost feel like the writers weren't really sure how yeah. to end their, their... I feel like the setup was really great, but they just weren't sure quite how to end yeah. it. So it was um, really quick. And it wasn't, yeah, and like I said, it wasn't bad. I just... I basically... Maybe I want, I wanted to be more emotionally manipulated. I did. Like, I did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I wanted <laughs> like, him to sacrifice the ringer. himself for her. Because she sacrificed herself for him. So that would have been like the ultimate grand gesture that he was never able to do for her. Like, because he was. He was mm-hmm. broken when he found her dead and... Like, Mm -hmm. that was so emotional. And so I felt that they deserved a better emotional sort of payoff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say overall, I would actually say overall, the main message of the drama was to be more understanding of people's situations. I would actually say, I don't think this was like, you know, oh my gosh, if you commit suicide, then you are just a heart. I actually didn't feel that way. I do think it handled it with care because um, there was a lot of storylines that had to do with like bullying. There's sexual um, assault had too. To like do... we never even talked about the twins with the sexual assault. Like oh that was gosh. super powerful. I mean, there's so yeah. much. Right. We'd be here for hours if we talked about every vignette because it was a lot that was really powerful. But a lot of it was like, yeah, just understanding people's situations, being kind. I like that because there was more emphasis on understanding people's human problems yes. than just being like, don't kill yourself or you go to hell. Yes. You know what I mean? And I, so I really did. Um, I really did appreciate that because I feel like there was a lot of kindness and understanding and those were the solutions, kindness and understanding. So I think we need to wrap this up with getting back to the lightheartedness of the drama. So just really yeah. quickly, because we talk about how there's so much comedy, but we haven't really talked about it. Um, do you have a favorite comedic moment from the drama? So I will say overall, it was very funny that Rowan kept getting beat up. <laughs> and it was it ended up being, it sounds like, like Steve Harrington. But it, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. I feel like it became almost like a joke that Rowan kept getting beat up. And like Cobrion is like, boss, she didn't care. Every time he got beat up, she'd be like, oh, my God, again? <laughs> Ugh, like, you're a drama queen. You know what I mean? Like, it was just very, very funny. He was always beat up. He always had, like, bloody makeup. It was fantastic. So I don't remember the specifics of this scene. I just remember laughing out loud. So I don't remember exactly where it happens in the drama. But I just remember that Jun Wung had to stay behind at the hospital after something, like, really sad happens while Kurion and Lim Ryong-gu 
are on a dangerous mission. I think that Kurion is trying to save Ryunggu because it was, you know, at the height of like his backstory with his mom and then the current, you know, sexual assault case where he kind of went off the rails. And so he's mm-hmm. worried that they might not make it back. And then they suddenly walk through the hospital entrance and he just like bursts into tears, like funny tears, and does this sort of like floppy run to them with his arms open to like hug them. And they just both like totally stoic, just push his arms away. But he keeps like lifting his arms to like give a group hug. And finally they <laughs> relent, but they never smile and he hugs them. But he's just like, oh, you back. <laughs> and it was just so funny. And I loved it. And he it just like to show like the charm and adorable adorableness of Rowoon. And there's also another like really quick one where um, Jun Wung is dreaming that he is not in the coma and that he wakes up at home and his mom and his sister are there and he wakes up and he throws his arms around his mom and he's so happy to see her and he's just like kissing her cheek repeatedly, repeatedly, and then like really wakes up and realizes that he's uh, kissing Ryunggu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, yeah, just some, some really good comic relief. And really well done and and like i said it's never it's never comedy having to do with the serious and heavy issues that are going on but the comedy is a compliment to all of that and a nice sort of relief so yeah i i think it was really well done really well balanced and super, made this drama one of my favorites i think of of 2022 um yeah i agree and actually i just want to mention one more yeah. thing I'm not going to mention which drama it is, but there's another drama that we've talked about plenty of times where a man wakes up from the coma. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot. But he's been in that coma for like 10 years yes. or something. Isn't it really? And he wakes up and he's just like, right away, he's like, oh ma. And so, again, I'm not telling you, private message us if you want to know what drama it is. But anyway, in tomorrow, it's so funny because Rowoon, you know, obviously he wakes up from his coma. Six at the months. End. Six well, they, months. They, they, they say they let him out a little months. bit early, but it's not like that much early. No, it's six months where he's been lying prone in a hospital bed and he wakes up and right away he's just like tearing everything off and he's like, oh, ma, because she's like in the room. He's like, why am I in the hospital? And he's like, fine. He's like hugging. He's like ripping off all his muscles muscles would would have atrophied. Yeah. Like the way that they treat comas, characters who wake up from comas will never, never fail to make me laugh. But anyway. Yeah, I I love this drama. I I truly did. I mean, yeah, I had some like quibbles and stuff like that. But overall, I like the way the drama handled things because again, I felt like a lot of it always just came from a place of understanding people's situations and and being kind and not judging and um and in a way that I you know, I thought was done like yeah. well and written written well. Absolutely. I loved it a lot. Um definitely one of my faves of this year. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would highly recommend. Again, we talked about um, Move to Heaven. It's it's really is a direct comp um, for Move to Heaven. Because even Move to Heaven had some good um, light comedic moments as well. And so I just, yeah, it w- it's really similar. So if you like that drama, definitely give Tomorrow a try. So thank you all for hanging with us today to talk about Tomorrow. <laughs> That's such a dad <laughs> joke. I'm going to keep making it. <laughs> And I think we're finally back together, all three of us, next week, right? Yes. Like, oh, we'll finally. actually be back in the States the next time we record. So right. we will right. not have the, the time issue or travel issue, hopefully, next time yeah. we record. Yeah. So thank you all for hanging with us, and we will see you next time. Annyeong! Annyeong! Kamsamnida! Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. 
where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!